Hello and welcome to the Camping Crew Podcast with Chris and Aaron. Hi everybody, welcome to episode 159 of the Camping Crew Podcast. I'm Aaron Burchill. And I'm Chris Byrne. As always, it's meant to be a fun podcast. We're just enthusiasts and what we discuss on the podcast are just our own personal views. Although we do look into some of the items you ask us to look into. If you'd like to support the podcast... And if you can afford to, you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash the camping crew. Now, online chatter. I filmed this thing on Motorhome Park Ups Ireland, and I think it's it's a good news story. Like Motorhome Park Up Ireland, like a lot of Facebook groups, keep us and give us a lot of information of stories that are going on all over Ireland. And this was a story from the DN, Derry Now newspaper. And the headline said, call for dedicated motorhome parking provision in Derry. And I'll just give you a quick synopsis of what it says. There's been a call for dedicated motorhome parking provisions across Derry City and Straban District District Council. Speaking at June's council meeting, Councillor Rory Farrell, SDLP, said we need to show that we are open for business by creating dedicated motorhome parking provisions. I love to see stories like that. If you log on to DerryNow.com on the news page, you will see the heading call for dedicated motorhome parking and well done to everybody concerned and we will keep you updated with that story yeah looking forward to hearing updates on that as well it's a great location as well to to head to also um breed and porrick uh, sent us a, a message there during the week about campsite options near dublin i'll read the message good afternoon says we're heading to Dublin to see Gar Brooks uh, in September um, in the motorhome and we're travelling from West Cork. He said, could you suggest somewhere that would be nearby enough um, for the same uh, as we're travelling with another couple and they'll have a, a caravan and a car. So it'll be okay for a little drive to the show. Um, we're not too familiar with Dublin. Uh, loving the podcast and follow you on Instagram. Many thanks, Breed and Podrick. So, um, just looking at options, uh, I had obviously suggested the the obvious one, Camac Valley, to mm-hmm. to consider. It's a short drive in. You even have a, a public transport option there if you wanted. Uh, can you think of any other ones, Aaron? No, I, I would have said Camac Valley as well because um, you have the bus, you have the short drive, you have the Lewis. It's even cheap in a taxi cab. Um, a lot of people want to go and park in around the O2. I don't even like parking my car in around the O2 or in around the Aviva. Even when I go up home, if I was staying at home in Lucan, I'd get a cab or a bus in. I just yeah. don't like parking in the city. I do center. hear people when they're waiting for ferries, they camp overnight in one of the garages down yeah. by the port. But I certainly wouldn't be recommend recommending that yeah. to anyone. What I did actually suggest that I suggested one of the campsites maybe in Wicklow. So just take a drive, go stay in one of the campsites up around there and take a drive down from there. If you have a car, there like is a pub easier. near the airport that is class as an air. Well, I think it's it's pricey, like 15, 20 euro a night. I honestly think if anybody's going up to an event in Dublin City, Camac Valley is the one. It's open all year round. I wonder it if it's a secure campsite. It's, it's big enough. I mean, Chris, they, they've. 200 pitches there so yeah well you have to you have to book online anyway so you can't just roll up you could be lucky if you're older but they do like you to pre-book online um that date september no kids are back at school chris i think you'd be safe enough but i would say to breed and park if you are thinking of Staying in Camac Valley, you must book online. You cannot just roll up and you can't pick up the phone. So check out their website. That place you're talking about, is that the White House pub? Yes, yes, the White House pub. It's near the airport. 
yeah, yeah. Wrong side. Reed had suggested the city. that as well. Yeah, look, I suppose side. if you're going to a concert, it's, it's, I suppose for them, it's they're they're coming from West Cork, so a little bit extra probably won't make much difference, you know. Um, it's, I suppose the big thing is about not having to travel too far back yeah. after the gig when you're tired, you know. But they also mentioned caravan. I think that White House is just from motorhomes. It's okay. Well, then, yeah, that would be an yeah. issue then. So I think, yeah, when you're talking caravan, the only campsite, you've got the likes of Port Ran, which is a caravan and camping park that we're actually, we've reviewed a couple of weeks back. It'll be coming up on Charlie and me soon. But I honestly think the best, safest, and on their side of the city is Camac Valley. Oh, definitely the, the best option. Um, I can't, look, outside of that, I can't think. But you know what? We could be forgetting about some obvious ones. So if anybody is aware and can help uh, Breed and Podrick, maybe might drop us a message. Now, Maria Donnelly was on to me looking for advice on insurance providers for a big truck conversion. I don't know if you remember, but last year Maria was on to me and I think I mentioned it on the podcast that she was converting a truck and she was looking for Tommy. He's good at wood. She was looking for his number to do the work. Tommy did the conversion. Another guy went in and wired and plumbed it and it turned out fantastic. They got logbook. The truck is now a campervan on the logbook. However, she needs this big bus. They had a caravan, but her son has mobility issues. So she said, well, we need a motorhome, but they couldn't get one big enough to suit their needs. So they converted this truck. Here's the problem. Truck build is complete. Motorhome in the logbook. She can't get insurance anywhere. She's been on to Dolman. She was on to Richardson's. She was on to Stewart's. I even put her in touch with the motorhome, the motor caravan club with Bill and Karen in there. He sent her out the paperwork. But then when all the paperwork came back, it's just too big. Now, I have seen trucks on campsites converted, be they half rally car truck or motorbike truck, but they are campers. So somebody out there is insuring converted trucks as camper vans. Can you help Maria? She's got a truck. It's a motorhome in the logbook. She needs insurance. You just jog something with my mind out there. You'd see a lot of people traveling around with those big kind of horse box style trucks, Aaron, with motorbikes and rally cars. Yeah. And they have living areas in them as well. So surely there's some somebody I offering think, some sort of insurance. I think there, the, let, let's say, for example, your two kids are into motocross. So that's where I saw a couple in Blarney. They had a beautiful Ford truck. Uh, a third of it rolled down the back was, was the garage, the motorbikes, and the rest was a camper van motorhome. But I think they're commercially insured. I think they're actually commercially insured as the motorbike team or the rally team. There is a chap in Clonmel that sells motorbikes and he has brought a truck in from the UK and it's a motorhome. But again, a third of it is for hauling race bikes. It's insured as a commercial vehicle. Now, I don't know. This is just a motorhome. Yes. I don't know. Well, look, it's logged as a motorhome. So yeah. I wonder, because of the, you know, the, the, the special needs and the mobility issues, would there be um, some sort of special concessions might be available? It'd be worth investigating. But look, again, it is another shout out, guys. We need your help on this one. There must be one, at least one of our listeners must have a big rigid truck. Please, we'll give the contact details. We'll pass anything you have, even if, look, if it's a, look, this might work. That'll do. Maria is out of options. We'll give you the contact details at the end of the podcast. Right. So we had a, a bit of a, a get together uh, at the week. Well, not even a get together. We went camping um, uh, um, we're on our way to Cork and we said we'd stop off somewhere kind of on the way back and we went to our, our usual our regular <laughs> your, spot your new slot. 
<laughs> the getaway uh, again, just outside Dungarvan. Look, it was handy for us. It's it's a nice spot. We get to to visit family and we get to go camping. So it's win win for everybody. But um, we had a great evening there on Saturday evening. We lit up the we lit up the fire. Uh, Hillary there has a, a lovely kind of fire pit in the middle of the campsite. So we had marshmallows and um, chocolate biscuits. We were making oh. s'mores. We lit up the fire for the kids and it wasn't too long. We had a, a nice little gathering around of some of the other campers at the fire. So I want to say big shout out to Ashing and Karina. They were staying there in their Bedford Bambi um, with Jeff and his missus there at the um, along the fire. Uh, Tony and Mary were there. So you might remember Tony did an interview there oh, yes. on them. Um, Charlie me recently as well and uh, Wes and Raquel came over as well so we had a nice little gathering around the fire good chats uh, early enough night but uh, it was nice to just to, to chat away at all things camping and was was it a fine evening no rain the rain didn't make it an early night was it a fine it was evening? a lovely a bit windy but I don't think the wind was cold it was just a little like it wasn't but you kind of kept the smoke blowing one way so we were able to yeah. to sit out of it to some extent and but she has lovely chairs all set around and a few people brought over their own chairs and uh, all the dry robes were out in force yeah. so there's definitely yeah. uh, somebody listened to the podcast anyhow but there were lifesavers there as well like we had the, the heat of the fire warming our fronts but on our backs the dry robes were keeping us warm Brilliant. It, it seems to be a very, very popular space. I know that uh, Hillary has work going on at the moment and she is letting people know, you know, she's open for business, but there's a little bit of building work going on to improve the facilities on site. But I've got to be honest, and it is handy for us. I mean, it's only a 20 minute drive for us. And as you say, when you're on your way to Cork, if you're looking for a stopover, uh, the getaway just outside Dungarvan is a spot worth going to. And I think the fire pit, I know I chances are I'd have been in bed by nine o'clock <laughs> anyway. But you guys love and the kids love doing the marshmallows and they they really love when the fire pits are going, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they, they do. And they came over and they had their fair share of uh, sugar and, and headed off again. <laughs> and stayed awake all night long and up <laughs> early the next morning. I know we actually lit it early enough. Like I'd say we had the fire light in about eight o'clock. So the fire was nearly gone out before it even got dark. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago, um, was it somebody asked us or did the topic just come up about rainy day campsites? Yeah, we were chatting about it kind of last week. We mentioned a couple of them, but I, I kind of had to think about it during the week. And I, I know we were chatting about it as well and coming up with suggestions. So we have a, a couple of suggestions maybe we might throw out there for people. And, you know, we love to get your input as well. There's probably been a lot of sites that we might have been and might be good. Uh, might have plenty of options for people to do things when it's raining, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the list, of course, especially if you have children, Parsons Green is a great place because they have the indoor play area. You have a video up, but you did a review. We have, that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm thinking of doing, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm thinking of doing a revisit. But Parsons Green is so well known that I don't think it needs a revisit, even though we were there early on in the year. Yeah, Parsons Green are opened all year, all year round as well. But yeah, if you go on to youtube.com forward slash Charlie and me, you'll see a video of Parsons Green. It's in County Tipperary. Actually, most of these sites will have videos from you, Aaron, if not all of them. Um, West Lodge was one that. Definitely, it sh- should be on your list to check out. Um, like it's just an air, but you do have access to the hotel and the hotel swimming pool, and that's yeah. why I put it on the list because it's right next to the West Lodge Hotel. So that's the West Lodge in Bantry, by the way, folks. Yeah, and then of course Desert House again. It's so close to Clonakilty. It may not necessarily have something on site, but if you can travel, it's literally a ten-minute walk, a five-minute drive. So Desert House in Clonakilty is another good one. Yeah, Nor Valley Campsite in Kilkenny, another great option for families and kids. They have um, the hayloft and they have the maze and 
they have the 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 animal feeding areas. So certainly there's a they have a, a decent kind of TV room and stuff in there as well. So look, a, a games room. So there's definitely options there for something to do when it's raining. And then, of course, you've got where we were a couple of weeks ago. And again, there is a video up on Charlie and me, Roaches in Wexford. Roaches started off as in air. It's now a full-fledged caravan site where they're taking caravans, tents, the whole lot. And they have the indoor facilities. They have the showers. They now have the coffee shop wagon. And they now have a chip van on site as well, doing fish and chips and burgers. And then they have live music on a Saturday night during the peak season. That's Roaches in County Wexford. Yeah, plenty covered over his area. Speaking of Wexford as well, we've the next one on our Wexford list is definitely a, a highlight of ours is Bano Bay, a, a lovely site. Um, they've put in, a, I suppose, what do they call it, the cow shed, is it? It's the, big, the, cow, the cow shed or the cow hut, but it's the cow something. something like, yeah. yeah, they have a, a big massive barn converted for uh, the campers to enjoy. Um, there's plenty of seating and games and mm-hmm. lots of things to do kind of in out of the elements. Uh, Ferry Bank, I thought of Ferry Bank because the swimming pool, Ferry Bank is run by the County Council again in Wexford and they have the swimming pool and right at the bottom of the hill, literally a three minute walk is the hotel if you wanted to go for a meal to get in out of the weather. But the swimming pool is also open to people who use the campsite at Ferry Bank in Wexford. Yeah, yeah. We were recently at Eagle Point. We mentioned there last week as well and uh, another great site. Not, you know, has the little kind of... um, hangout rooms and kind of kitchen areas and all of that certainly available but uh, it's good area for your water sports and if you like your water sports rain is not going to bother you so you can go swimming straight from the campsite and then i think another one and as i say this list can be extended if you guys have anything please do let us know hidden valley and i'd say hidden valley is like eagle point because it's got all the water activities and lots for kids to do and you look if you're going to be in the water and you don't mind getting a bit wet the weather is <laughs> not going to really bother you but there's possibly loads more out there again if you guys know of any what we are calling rainy day campsites campsites that will still give you something to do on a rainy wet damp cloudy day please do let us know Uh, contact details coming up in a few minutes so Aaron Charlie me we had a, a video today did we yeah, this morning we put one up. I got a new Max Air fan fitted into the Heimer for France for next week. We're off on Monday to France for a couple of weeks. And as you know, I sold a camper van with the aircon unit in it. And oh, it was almost a divorce. But seemingly she's <laughs> going to kill me before she divorces me. And I want people to witness that I said that. So Max Air fan came up. I, I've seen them fitted in every single camper van that's in the USA. So they must be good. They blow air in, they take air out. They're not heaters. It's just an extractor or internal fan. So I got one fitted. That video went up this morning. Great reaction to it. Good lot of views already. A couple of questions on it. Main one is, is it a heater? It's not a heater. So that went up on YouTube this morning. This Friday's video is Mead Eco Park. If you remember, we were talking about it. And I said that as far as I know, dogs aren't allowed. They got in touch with us literally the next morning to say, bring Charlie down, meet our dogs. Myself and Charlie took a spin out to Mead Eco Park, just outside Dunchoclin in County Mead. So that's this coming Friday and dogs are allowed on site, but it's a motorhome park only. Caravans and tents are not allowed. YouTube.com forward slash Charlie and me, our camping vlog, nine o'clock this Friday morning. Excellent. I look forward to that. I saw the, the video this morning. I wasn't aware you were heading off to France. So I don't think you mentioned that. So I'm glad you it slips. Yeah. It's, uh, do you know what? Yeah. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to do a quick review, Aaron, um, of something we reviewed on episode 84, or something we mentioned on episode 84. I only got around to buying it recently. It's the Omnia camping stove top oh, oven. Yeah. And 
I was watching there's a YouTube uh, couple that are traveling around um, Estonia at the moment. They were in Norway and they were in Ireland during lockdown as well. They, they, they're called Lost in Transit. We mentioned them on this podcast before as well. Mm. But they're always using their Omnia camping stove top oven. And the more videos we've seen with it, said, OK, look, we've spoken about this. We have to go and get one. So we went on to Amazon, picked one up uh, and ordered it. So to describe it, think of a big, massive polo mint mm-hmm. with a lid on it. That's what this is. So basically you put it on your gas stove or your hob or whatever, and it heats up the side, but it also heats up through the hole in the middle. Yeah. And so it basically convects the air all the way around your food. Um, the base version of it comes with a, a heating pan on the bottom the middle bit which holds whatever you're oven baking and then the lid to uh, keep the heat in. Um, I would say if you're going to buy it, invest and get some of the accessories as well, like the silicon inserts and the uh, rack. We didn't get those at the start and we were using tin foil just to coat and stuff, but we're, we've bought them since. Okay. And it just makes a, a massive difference from cleaning up and just getting organized and taking things in and out of it, you know. And when you say rack, is that like a grill for doing sausages on? When you say rack, yeah, it just basically it keeps it lifts it lifts the whatever you're oven baking up mm. off the actual bottom, which is in All contact right. with the heat, and just okay. raise it up. You know, like you're heating bread, so the the air can. Yeah can conduct all the way around if you're yeah. doing say chicken nuggets or drumsticks or, or pizza or, or goujons something like that yeah. you'd put it you'd put it uh, on top of this pizzas you, you would probably use the silicon molds for it might be handier but they all come out looking like donuts big giant okay. donuts which is great so it's yeah i suppose the only downside is its awkward shape it does have a big giant kind of hole going up to the middle of it mm-hmm. to let the air flow but if you can work around that it's a great little utility. We've used it loads since. We've done pizzas in them. We've done bread rolls in them. Um, we've pizza pockets. We've done fish fingers and anything you basically you can do. You can do lasagnas in them as well. Have you got a cost Steak price cakes. point on it? Um, 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 cost wise, I think it was on special when we bought it. I'm looking to see now. I can't see the price on the item. Um, I'm trying to see what we bought it for. I think we paid about fifty-five when it converted over. Um, but like if I think Prime Day is coming up, there's always good deals. Yeah, you know yeah, you can get good deals, but I, I would suggest get the full kit. It'll be worth your while. It's worth getting the extras. So that's the Omnia, and it's an Omnia oven. Yeah, it's a Swedish oven, stovetop camping oven. Just, yeah, on Amazon, if you search for Omnia camping stovetop oven, it should be top of your list. Okay, let's finish up today's podcast with Camp Life. You did an interview with Aoife from Life in the Blurry Lane. Now, we mentioned Aoife's Instagram uh, a couple of weeks back, and that yeah. kind of topped you to say, let's have a chat with this girl. Tell us about it. Yeah, so Aoife uh, and her partner have converted a... Um, uh, a camper and they're gone traveling they're off in france at the moment and uh uh if his instagram is life in the blurry lane and um, if he's traveling with uh, uh and she has a visual impairment mm-hmm. so her blog and instagram is kind of focused on helping other people um in a similar situation on navigating camping in general and that's really what we discuss on the the interview and um, just when you're listening to the interview just bear in mind that you know i'm in ireland and 
if is uh, in France and the camps so the sound in one or two places kind of drops out slightly but uh, we had a great chat and a uh, very knowledgeable person Hi everyone, I'm here with Aoife Doherty. Aoife has an Instagram channel and a blog a blog called Life in the Blurry Lane. And um, Aoife got in touch with us back in May, um, offering um, to do an interview with us, which was great because it's one thing we've always wanted to do, um, interviews and content with a, an accessibility aspect to it. So Aoife, maybe you might start off and tell us a little bit about yourself and the blog. Uh, yeah, I sure can. So um, hello. Um, my name is Aoife, um, a bit about me, uh, I'm 30, only recently 30, um, and I'm from Dublin in Ireland, uh, and what we're doing at the minute is we are travelling around Europe in our uh, self-built campervan, uh, who we've nicknamed Vanessa, so um, the we is uh, myself and my boyfriend, who's also the driver, um, you know, and, and the mechanic and the IT manager and, and you know, all of that kind of good stuff, so um the blog I'm running is, as you said, Life in the Blurry Lane. Um, and what I was hoping to do with this blog is, or I suppose what my aim is, is to give a bit of an insight into kind of just travel and accessibility um, from the viewpoint of somebody who uh, has a vision impairment. So that kind of leads me on a bit nicely to say, to say a bit about what my vision impairment is. So uh, I was born with oculocutaneous albinism, and that's a genetic condition which, you know, from the science bit kind of uh, causes a mutation in one of my genes, which affects the production of an enzyme in my body, which is used uh, in the production of melanin. So what that kind of means in, in like in kitchen English is um, I've got I've got no pigment in my hair, my skin or my eyes, which means that my skin is very sun sensitive. My eyes are very light sensitive and I have a vision impairment, which means that um, anything that a fully sighted person can be at 36 meters away. I have six meters away to see it. So, you know, it kind of means that my detail and my distance vision is quite poor. Um, and and for in relation to the trip, the biggest thing for um kind of that means is that I can't drive. So I have to have uh, I have to have my lovely driver with me to be able to get us uh, to get us around Europe. So there's only about 300 people in Ireland who have this condition. So it's kind of relatively rare. Um, so I suppose that's kind of when we were looking into kind of going traveling and starting kind of into the van life, I did start to have a look at, you know, is there anything out there? What are other people doing? You know, how do you live in a van with vision impairment? How do you get around, you know, all that kind of good stuff. And I didn't really find anything. So um, I decided I just, I'd start my own. Uh, and I said, I kind of, I want to just show the world that, you know, life with a vision impairment, uh, you know, or uh, in the blurry lane, in, in my case, is um, just as well-rounded, just as diverse uh, and just as full as someone who um, is fully sighted. And was camping something you always did, Aoife? Was it something you were always into or is this something new for you? No, it's something I always did. So um, since the age of... I'm going to say five or six. I started off in Cubs and I moved up into Scouts and I was in the Scouts for many, many years. And um, my dad and my family always had a, you know, owned a share in a boat in the River Shannon. So I'm quite used to living in kind of like small and confined spaces. Um, and then thankfully, when I, when I met my other half about five years ago, um, we have a kind of a shared love for camping, kind of for outdoorsy life, for hiking, all of that good stuff. So um, it kind of felt like it was in the blood. You know, we always wanted to travel. Um, and then kind of COVID, obviously, um, you know, let's not repeat that. Uh, it went into uh, kind of put a stop to that. So we said, right, well, let's just let's get a get a van instead uh, of traveling the world by plane. So that's kind of how it happened. To make van life work for you, did you have to do anything different when you converted to camper van than, say, uh, other people might have to without a visual impairment? 
Yeah, so when we were doing the build, we kind of, there was a couple of decisions that we made that were probably like intentional decisions um, and they were really around the lighting. So for me, um, uh, lighting is really important. So it needs to be, a, a, you know, it needs to be set up in a way that so it's fully adjustable. So we've got like eight spotlights in our ceiling. We've got dimmable lighting underneath the kitchen cabinets and all of those eight spotlights, they're kind of done in, in sets of two. So we can turn them up and turn them down as much as we want. Um, and we have a blackout blind on the um, window as well, which allows me to kind of further uh, dictate how much light is coming in or, you know, or going out of the van. And then most recently, which was something we actually did on the road, was that we put an extra layer of tint on one of the front windows uh, on the passenger side. So um, which just helps kind of filter it kind of the glare and helps make it a little bit cooler. So um, yeah. we also only decided to put one window in the back of the van. So, you know, ours is just, a, it just looks like a, you know, your bog standard white builders van, you know, so we decided we'd only put one window in the back. So um, as my boyfriend very kindly put it earlier on today, you know, you can come and sit here in the little dark hole if you need to. So <laughs> that's, that's what I do. <laughs> but it just makes um, probably life a little bit easier for you without having all that light kind of bursting in. Yeah. That's good, a bit, a bit more exactly, comfort as exactly. well. It yeah. just allows yeah. us to control it. And you're Hopefully, off. Yeah, and then, you know, if we want more, we can open the back doors and all that. So it's, that's you it, know, yeah. we yeah. really have full control over it. And you're off traveling at the moment. Do you want to tell us kind of what you've been doing? Is it about a month or so now you've been away? Yes, we left Ireland on the 26th of May, 2022. Um, so I did have a count of how many days that was, and I've actually forgotten what it is now. I think it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's a little over 30 days. So um, we drove, we're both dubs uh, from North Dublin. So we actually got the ferry from Rosslare. So we started off driving from Rosslare, or from Dublin to Rosslare. Uh, we sailed over to Sherberg. And then we stayed uh, at Omaha Beach, which was uh, a really fa fantastic first stop. Like the amount of history around there was just it was really kind of profound. It felt very fitting actually for our first our, our first go. Um, we then moved on to Paris, went to Bonn, uh, which is just south of Dijon. And um, we went to Lyon. At that point in time, it was kind of mid June, I think it was, and it started to get really hot. So that heat wave that was flowing around Europe, we got caught in that. So we said, oh, right, yeah. we need to get to the coast. ASAP because we were roasting and cool. um, so we headed in headed, yeah oh god and the difference it made it was actually amazing so we headed into Cassis then uh, which is a beautiful little spot only one campsite in it and then we went to Frejus which is kind of further along the coast we met up met up with my family there and stayed there for a week uh, then mm -hmm. we hit up Sistron uh, Grenoble and we're now in Annecy so the, those last three are in the French Alps so you were away for, for quite a while, old. I think, aren't you? You're going to stay a good few months away. Yes, we left in May and the plan is to come home early next year. So uh, we're both very lucky that uh, I have a year off work from my job uh, and Carl has agreed to be able to work on a reduced hours for the next year, I think. So um, we're at least away until March of next year. And do you plan to stay around France or do you have any plans at all? Uh, no, we're actually heading to Italy on Wednesday. So, oh, wow. so we're heading to we're heading to the base of Mont Blanc to a lovely campsite up there called um, Hobo Camping. I haven't been to it yet, so I can't give a, a full review of what it's like. But um, it sounds lovely, and they have a, a campsite or a camp, not campsite, a campfire every night, bonfire with all oh, the fantastic. campers, which sounds really, really nice. So uh, yeah, sure we're heading to Italy on uh, on Wednesday, and we're going to stay there for about two weeks, um, and then we're heading up to meet more family in Zurich, and um, for uh, two weeks at the end of July. Brilliant. You mentioned campsites there then as well. And like, is there any kind of issues you encounter on different campsites then with, with division impairment? What's like one of the, the biggest things you might encounter that maybe campsite owners might realise? 
you know, it's a lot to do with uh, the simple things that probably um, are often maybe overlooked or not necessarily maybe maybe thought about. But, it, you know, having a really good map uh, is, is pretty, you know, makes a huge difference because I can say, well, actually, you know, I know that that building there is the sanitary block, even though I might not see there's a sign on it that says sanitary block, but I know it is because I can see it on the map. And um, good big signs make a huge difference as well, particularly around the toilets. So I can see is this a men's toilet or a women's toilet or is it just a shared toilet? There, high you know, contrast, I would imagine, probably would be a lot easier. High contrast, it. yeah, big font, high contrast. Um, and the other one, uh, which if you anyone kind of follows me on Instagram, you'll understand my war on steps and the amount of bad oh, steps God, yeah. that I find around the place. Um, you know, I'm just putting a lick of paint on the edge of the steps so there being a nice bright colour, you know, it makes the world difference. Um, having good lighting is a good one as well. Um, and I think these things, like, well, I might have picked up on them because of my vision impairment or because of the way I see the world. There's still things that would probably uh, benefit anybody who's on a campsite, whether they're visually impaired or not. You know, if you can stop the number of people tripping down the step, you know. Uh, so like simple solutions like as well, which is good, you know, anyone can implement. Yeah, that thing, like signs, you're probably going to be ordering signs anyways. Just get them in a, a you know, a bit bigger, you know, getting them mapped on up. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not, you know, it's not especially a, a huge task, but like when when you go to somewhere that has bits like this done or who have, you can see have even tried or, you know, have made an attempt, it might not be perfect, but that's okay, but they've made an attempt, you know, it, it gives out the message that, you know, we as campsite owners have thought about you and what you might need uh, and you're very welcome here no matter what you might or what you might need and I think that's a really a really powerful message and the same goes for websites as well you know a lot of websites uh, just aren't accessible um, for you know people who use screen readers or people who maybe use their phone um, and who use zoom text or, or not zoom text um, like magnification software on their phone like I do like everything on my phone is gigantic but you know some websites you go on to you have to actually go back out of them and reduce the font size in your phone because it just didn't work so you know there's a huge amount, I think, that we can do uh, in the online space to to bring the accessibility levels up. That's a really good point. And it's something people might think about as well. It's not just the actual campsite itself, but it's actually the, the whole um, journey to the campsite uh, online. You know, most people nowadays exactly. would, would do the research online, they'd book online. So it's, yeah, it's a really good point to make, actually. And uh, how do the campsites in France compare to the ones in Ireland? you know, in terms of yourself getting around and navigating them? Um, from accessibility-wise, they're pretty much the same. Um, I have yet to come across a campsite that I would go that is really perfectly accessible and would tick every single box. There's some, there are some very good ones that we've seen that have, you know, decent signs. They're really flat. Their lighting is pretty good. Um, but nothing, to be honest, nothing is really stood out. Um, what I will say, though, is we have found the campsites here to be much better value for money than campsites at home. Uh, and because I was only listening to your podcast there recently about the, the, the price comparison uh, and even the price, you know, the price alignment for what it's like in France at the minute. So, you know, it's costing us maybe 25, 33 euro a night for a nice campsite, which is clean, has a bar and a restaurant and some of them have a swimming pool. So you that's know, it. When you take the facilities into account, like it's they're just so much better value over there. All right. But look. Oh, uh, unbelievable. That's a, a whole podcast on its own, I think. <laughs> and uh, as well as the campsites, is there anything that say, other campsites could do or should be aware of maybe that could help out? Uh, so other campers or other Sorry, campers, sorry. Yeah, anything other yeah. campers can do? Yeah, like I think um, 
you know, oftentimes people who have, uh, you know, uh, a variety of different needs, you know, it, it's not particularly very obvious. Um, and I think pe- for people just to have an understanding that you might not be able to see if you look at me or you look at anybody else, you might not be able to see if they have any sort of additional needs. And, um, you know, just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. So I think what I would be saying to people, if you're, you know, and people have asked me this before, like, what can I do to help? It's just, you know, if you see, if you know, if you see something or you see me doing something that's a bit odd, just, you know, don't necessarily judge people for it. So like if I, let's say, if you wave at me across campsite and I don't wave back or, you know, I might trip over your guy rope that you've put up in your tent or whatever, because I can't see it nine times out of 10, it's because I can't see it. It's not because I'm being ignorant. So uh, I think it's just, it's just an understanding and that's I think a message that's been going around for quite a while you know and you know whether it be people with you know autism or whether it be people with any sort of additional needs and it's just about having a bit of compassion and just kind of saying you know let me just take a little step back here and you know I won't get too angry at that person or I will try and just maybe think that actually there's something else going on here they haven't walked into me because they want to (laughs) they walked into me because they didn't see me (laughs) you know the guy rope issue is a, certainly a, a something worth considering as well. We were doing um, camping. We used to get those little solar lights and put them at the end of the guy ropes where they peg into the ground. Now, it was more to stop some of the ah, kids good. on the campsites from running around and tripping over the guy ropes, you know, when they're playing at nighttime and yeah. they're chasing yeah. each other around. It was for that reason to, so they can see where the, the guy ropes are. I know you can get kind of bright, kind of luminous ones now. I've seen them on some tents as mm. well. The luminous ones are great. They like they make a huge. Again, it's kind of this the, the simple stuff. Well, I, I you know I think it potentially is simple. Like they they uh you know they just stand there. Are there solar lights? But you might actually answer the question for me. We were only looking around at the campers around us, and we think, God, people are very fond of their, their lights on the ground, their little solar lights on the ground. So that's probably what they're for. They're not there probably necessarily not to decorate. <laughs> I'd say a bit of both. A little from column A and column B. Yeah, yeah. Is there any yeah. words of encouragement or advice or any tips or even camping hacks that you might give to somebody else, maybe with a visual impairment, just starting out camping as well? Yeah, I would say just, you know, just remind yourself that you can do it. Um, it was something my parents always said to me and they always, uh, you know, made me believe that whatever I wanted to do, I can do it with, you know, with the exception of, you know, I'm never going to be a doctor. I'm never going to drive a car. You know, that's just the fact of life. But anything else that you want to do, you can do it. And um, yeah, you might need to make things a bit different. You might need to, you know, uh, try and change things up a little bit. But that doesn't matter. You know, once you're enjoying it and it makes you happy, just go for it. You know, and I think doing it in a way that works for you. So I, like, you know, we all were, you know, if anyone's on social media, you see these fabulous band lifers who are just doing all these most wonderful things and everything looks glorious and that's all wonderful. But like, I do think there's a lot of pressure out there to do everything and to see everything and to, to, you know, to be a certain way. And, you know, if you need to, if you decide to go camping, you decide to get a van and you need to spend a day or a week in the van, just sitting around the van and doing nothing. Like, grant, like, that's fine. Absolutely. Like you don't need, you know, we can't be climbing mountains and seeing wonderful things every day. You'd be exhausted. Um, and then I think the next thing I'd say to people is just have the bits that work for you. So, you know, if you have, you know, if you're visually impaired, you probably, people tend to be quite organized. They tend to know kind of what works and what knows what doesn't. So there's no reason why you can't have that list in a van either. So like for me, good sun cream, uh, my prescription sunglasses, a cap uh, are essential things, a good phone. I need to have a phone that, that works and that has a good camera on it because I, you know, I rely on it to like, rewind. Uh, etc etc and then 
The other thing, which uh, is probably more of a van life one as opposed to a vision impairment one, is, uh, you know, having a nice, like, shampoos and shower gels. I know this sounds really girly, but, like, if you're having a bad day and you can just go and have a really good shower, you just feel so much better. So uh, that's definitely something I would say uh, I, I would say to people. Um, and then kind of, re- like, you know, maybe if you're, if you're deciding to build a van, I'd say to people, just, like, you know, just do it. <laughs> you know spend a bit of time finding a decent van and doing a bit of planning you know make sure you can you know you can have all the resources whether it be money or skills or whatever and um, then you know just just go and do it like we just leapt into this and we like we probably didn't know how we were probably a bit naive going into this to figuring out how, how, you know, how much work would it be involved but you know i'm so glad we did it you know so I would say just, just do it there's a huge amount of like almost like an overwhelming amount there that uh you know to try and figure out what's the best thing and you know some really fabulous conversions people have converted like you know the ambulance or the bee or the buses or you know everything so um you know it's it, like yeah, it's scary but like you know why not and then i was thinking about this earlier as well like why let's say if you wanted to go down the camping route you know try it out in your back garden first so if you've never stayed in a tent before and you're blind or vision impaired stick it up in your garden get to know what it's like get to know where your equipment is get to know the feel of it you know and then just take it one step at a time and go to maybe somewhere that's close to you go with a friend or with family members or you know if you have if you have a partner that's interested you know go with them and just kind of just do one thing at a time you know you don't need to leap straight into van life in europe you know you can start i think with something small first yeah i think that's the way to go and there's a good tip just close to home and get used to it and bring friends i think having friends and family which kind of just make it more enjoyable anyway no matter what you know yeah oh totally yeah do you have a favorite campsite in ireland oh the one that stands out is the um eco beach over in clifton oh yeah so that was one of it yeah it was fabulous it was one of the first ones we stayed at when we first got our van. We did. We actually hadn't even conversed at this stage. We just threw, threw a mattress <laughs> in the back and, and a tent, and uh, it just drove. We just drove it, and went off with ourselves. So, and um, but it just stands out as being fabulous. That's great. Yeah, it's the one of the campus I haven't been to myself, and we've <gasps> we definitely have to to make a pilgrimage. That's because we're based in Waterford, so it's kind of. Well, I like to go away and stay somewhere for a good few days. So next time I've got a yeah. a week to spare, now that's where I'll be going. You know. Yeah. Do I think it books up pretty quickly though? So oh, I would yeah, well so. in advance. Absolutely, absolutely. So thanks for jumping on and doing the interview. Is there anything else you want to to share uh, with the story, or maybe you want maybe you could tell people how they can follow you online? Uh, yeah. Um, I think one one thing I did want to say was that um, you know, as you're saying around like this huge amount of support out there, a huge amount of information out there around van life and building your van, how to go all that, you know, how to do all that. But there's also you know if you look in the right places there's some great support out there for people who are visually impaired or who have sight loss who who want to you know gain a bit more independence like the ncbi so the national council for the blind of ireland are a fantastic organization they really supported me in terms of mobility orientation aids that might be useful and you know and they're even supporting me now as i'm away you know i was only on the phone from last week so you know yes there's huge amount there for van life but there's also a huge amount out there for you know vision impairment support as well um, and then, yeah, absolutely. I'd be only delighted to uh, to to have more followers or, or for people to come along uh, into the blurry lane with me. So um, I'm on Instagram at Life in the Blurry Lane, and um, I have a website as well, which goes by the same name, Life in the Blurry Lane. So um, come on over, come join us. I'm always happy to have a chat about 
anything, whether it be vision impairment related or anything, doesn't matter. Always, always open for a chat. And as Aaron says every week in the podcast, if you see us at a campsite, come over and say hello. That's a big, big thing. Totally. Isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you're in Italy in the next two weeks on a campsite <laughs> around Lake Garda or Lake Como, let me know. And say hello. <laughs> You'd be surprised, though. You might have people turning up. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Very good. Well, thanks so much. What I might do is I might tag the NCBI on some of the Instagram posts as well. I'm sure they have got a, an Instagram and, and all of that as well. They do. Just, yeah. people uh, in the right direction there look thank you so much for jumping on to us and hopefully now um you'll get a a, a nice uh, extra set of followers and uh, you know maybe even a, a, a big help to somebody else that might be as we said venturing out into van life too yeah i i you know i hope so that's that's kind of why i'm i'm kind of doing it and, and you know put myself out there because i know that you know, I went looking for for the information that I that I'm giving that, and I couldn't necessarily find it. And I also know that when I was a baby, my parents would have only loved to have resources or to have you know someone to who had albinism, you know, in a later stage in their life to be able to say to give them all the tips and tricks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. So um, so yeah, so that's that's the hope anyway. That's the goal. Well, that's great. Look, we wish you safe travels. Really enjoy the holiday. It sounds like an amazing experience. So, um, we'll be following you. Uh, uh, vicariously from here here in Ireland on your Instagram <laughs> brilliant well thank you for having me on absolutely brilliant that lady is it's just I follow her on Instagram as well and it's a new account guys you just got to check it out life in the blurry lane and some of the things she was saying there like for, for campsites to, to think about visually impaired people bigger brighter signs so simple because as she said they're getting signs made that say toilet anyway why not go a little bit bigger and a little bit brighter and simple things like steps, which should be done. I thought for insurance, putting a, a reflective strip at the edge of the step, but little things like that can make a difference to somebody who's not, not obviously blind, but visually impaired in any way at all. Yeah. And also, you know, make sure the online experience is, is easy for people to see as well. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it just kind of brings things kind of yeah. to focus in mind when you're, a camper or a campsite owner in terms of, yeah. you know, when you see somebody on a campsite, you made a great point. You don't necessarily know what difficulties they yeah. possibly could mm-hmm. uh, be dealing with. So just, you know, yeah, be, be mindful. patient with people. Be mindful, mindful yeah. people yeah. And because I like when we go to campsites and I know what happens that, that people say, well, especially newer campsites, like we mentioned, the, the, the getaway. Uh, Hillary had been in Tortress right from the inception of the day she turned to first thought and still says to us, you know, my dude, do you think this should we should do this? Should we do that? And I would have never thought of saying to a campsite owner, do you know what? For people with impairments, be it visual or accessibility. I remember somebody got onto us and said, hey, Aaron, will you start covering wheelchair accessibility, please? Because we're in a wheelchair. And that's something that I tend to, I don't do it on every video because I tend to forget. But when I do think of it, I'll say, you know, they do have disability toilets or there's loads of ramps, no gravel or but things like that. But yeah, please do be mindful that you don't know what's going on in the person's life that's standing in front of you or behind you. So, but I think Aoife put things there that I would have never thought about for a campsite. Yeah, while we're checking out her Instagram and her blog, um, on Instagram she's putting up pictures and videos all the time and it's explained really, really well and gives you a, 
a great tour of some of the campsites yeah. in France at the moment. I know she's out yeah. on the way to Italy now, so I can't wait to see some of those. Uh, as well as all of that normal day-to-day camping stuff, you get to to to, to see uh, another side of it, you know. And I love that she said Clifton Eco Park was one of her favourite <laughs> yeah, campsites, which I would have been very surprised of because it's not the flattest, levelest campsite in the world. But yet you can get around it with with disabilities and impairments. And I, when she said that, I went, oh, my God, I would have taught Nagels in, in Doolan because it's flat. But no, Clifton Eco Park. So well done. But Eva, great, great interview, Chris. Well done on that. Can we remind you, if you think that you've got a topic that we'd like to discuss or that you think that people would be interested in and you want to have a chat with us, you can get in touch with us to all of the contact details we gave you. And there is ways we we normally use Skype or there's just phones. There's ways that we can do the interviews. You don't have to have a full studio set up. Remember what Chris said. He was in Tremor. She was in France. And that interview was brilliant. So please do get in touch with us with your messages, your ideas, your campsite suggestions, reviews on products or any news item you'd like us to look into or anything we've discussed on previous podcasts. We'd like your opinion on that. And remember, we have stickers as well. We need your name. Your address and your postcode but for you to get them to us as always here's our contact details our webpage is thecampingcrew.ie on email we're campingcrewpodcast at gmail.com on twitter you'll find us at the camping crew on instagram we're at the camping crew podcast facebook you'll find us in all the good motorhome and camping groups forum wise you'll find us posting um they're uh, announcing the different episodes at motorhomecrack.com or boards.ie And of course, we have campsitereview.com. We've got a forum there. It's free and it always will be a lot of activity on there with people being away at the moment. And thank you for that. I put up my review, Aaron, after you gave it out to me last week. Well, I didn't give it out. I was just going to say, and Chris put up his (laughs) review (laughs) from last week's podcast. So that's up there as well. And then youtube.com forward slash Charlie and me, our camping vlog. I will be hopefully reviewing the three or four campsites that we're going to be visiting in France. Did I mention I'm, I'm heading to France on Monday? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. So I'll review there, those yeah. campsites. There's a few um, <laughs> issues with flying the drone over there, but look, we will review them. So they'll be coming up this Friday. It is the Eco Park Mead Eco Park. So please do join us at that nine a.m. YouTube.com forward slash Charlie and Me our camping vlog. And we will be taking a little break. I'm not sure if we said that at the top of the episode, but um, mm. it might be a, a couple of weeks before we post out again, just to let you know. But we'll we'll post on Instagram if we have anything to post. I'm sure Aaron is going to send me loads of pictures of the campsites in France that I can send out from the um, the camping crew one, and you'll see them on the Charlie and me uh, Instagram as well. But I'm we'll... going to have to now, seeing that you put the review up on the campsite review. <laughs> yeah, keep an eye on our Twitter. Keep an eye on our Instagram, both for Charlie and me and the camping crew podcast. That is it. Episode 150. 59 done and does it we will talk to you in a couple of weeks from me aaron birchall stay safe if you see us in france between the 11th and the 26th 27th please do come over and say bonjour stay safe uh, goodbye everybody and look as i say every week if you're enjoying the podcast please subscribe follow us help as many people you can about us and uh, we look forward to seeing you at the next episode well that's it for another podcast from the camping crew thanks for listening and do join us again very soon safe camping <laughs>